0: Dear broadies, before I get to the episode, I want to take a moment to address the June 24th, 2022 Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This decision stripped away the right to have a safe and legal abortion in the United States. Everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and their families, including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. This decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety and could have harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions in this country. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans and people who live in America. Learn more by visiting choice.crd.co. That's choice.crd.co. If you're able to support others, please consider donating to abortion funds. You can find a list of where to donate in each state at donationsforabortion.com. That's donations, the number four, I have personally started donating to states where trigger laws go into effect immediately. Remember, even if you can only spend $1 or $5, that helps. There are things we can do to fight this, and it is going to take continued focus and community support. So I encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. It was the
1: birth control pill that was causing painful sex, Mm -hmm. and this completely blew my mind like i had never i never knew about any negative side effects of the birth control pill Mm -hmm. and have since learned that there's a bunch of them a bunch of like mental side effects sex drive side effects painful sex side effects
0: hello everybody and welcome to the pod broads this is a podcast about women in podcasting and i'm your host alexandra cole Have you heard of this new Netflix show called Firefly Lane? I promise this will all make sense in a minute if you're sitting there wondering what in the hell this has to do with the pod broads today. So I have to admit, when I first sat down to watch it, I was like, oh, this will be one of those like sentimental corny shows, right? And my bias was completely checked because I have been watching it this past week and I am so obsessed. And the reason for that in part is because it really dives into mental health, sexual trauma, how those things impact you long term over time, especially when they're not dealt with. All these things I talk about a lot, right? And what really does get me about the show, though, is how it captures the intensity, deepness, and complexity of a long-term female friendship, you know, from teenage years through adulthood. And I think... You know, I can't speak for all women, but I do think it will resonate with a lot of us. You know, these friendships are such a huge part of our lives and these special things that don't always get as much focus as our romantic relationships. But I've noticed more conversation around it in the last couple of years and especially this last year, which I think partially has to do with the pandemic and being apart from our friends and realizing the major importance those relationships have in our lives And then coupled with these last four or five years where I've just seen a growth in women speaking out and being heard more by each other on what's important to us and what conversations aren't maybe being had as publicly or as openly. And so much of that relates to who I have on my podcast today and the podcast that she works on. So momentarily, you'll hear my conversation with Allison Berenger, who is an award-winning narrative audio journalist and podcast producer. She is the creator, host, and producer of Bodies, a feminist documentary podcast supported by NPR affiliate KCRW. And she has been working on season two of The Cut, which is a favorite of mine, which many of you know who have been following me for quite some time. So, in particular, on the cut, she and her story about a close friend of hers moving away was the subject of one of these episodes, and it really gets into this conversation around deep friendship. We chat about that toward the end of this episode. We also get to hear why Allison was crying in the editorial room throughout the process, and I also talked to her about bodies, the first episode she does about her own journey with painful sex, which is something near and dear to my heart and one of those conversations that I feel like is now getting more public and in discussion between women, but wasn't for a really long time and was something that probably many of us have had deep shame about. So in that section too, please be advised that there is a brief conversation around domestic violence. And if that's something that you need to take care with before hearing, please do that. As you can see, Allison's work just keeps digging into these spaces that we need to be excavating and making known. And it's why I keep gravitating to the work she is doing and why I so loved the chance to speak with her about her podcast journey. Now we get into what I find the funny part of our chat, which is all about our hometown. We share it, but we never actually met each other until a couple months ago, which is pretty wild because we were at the same high school for like two years and never crossed paths. Now, I have many mixed choice words for my hometown, our hometown. While I had a lot of great experiences there and really, you know, found my people during the time, I always kind of felt a little separate from how I would describe majority of the town and there are parts of it that I'm really critical about and you know a lot of the belief systems there. And so it was funny to me to hear some of that reflected back to me by someone who I never met while I was there who had a different experience throughout her childhood there, you know where some of it was overlapping with mine but also wasn't. And so it's just the perfect place for me to drop you into our conversation and that's exactly what I'm going to do right now. So tell tell my listeners a little bit about you and then about the work that you're currently doing. Yeah. So my
1: name is Allison Baringer. I live in Brooklyn, New York, and my main project is a podcast called Bodies. Um, and in between seasons, I've been working for the Cut podcast, but I'm really excited because I'm just about to transition back full time to start working on Bodies season three. Ooh that's
0: so exciting. Yay. What's, so what, uh, what will the timeline kind of be for that? Like, do you have an idea of when we can expect to see that season or is that still in the works?
1: Yeah. So um hoping to start publishing in October of this year. So October 2021, maybe a little bit before, maybe a little bit after, but the goal is to start releasing episodes
0: this fall. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And yeah. and um, so one one of your uh, identities that we both share is we're Severn Park natives, which is yes. where we both We are from the same hometown. Yes. We did not know each other
1: until very recently.
0: Exactly. It's so it's so funny how that works out because i know i we had that phone call not too long ago as like our initial chat and yeah i like definitely like met and like loosely knew your brother because we were in the like he and i were in the same class but i i can't say that i like knew him well at all i don't i don't know what his memory of me is but i just think it's so funny how you can like move through time so close to someone and then not actually be connected until yes, like what, like 10 years later or something. Yes. Yes. That's also <laughs> weird to say 10 years, but it's, yeah, it's been more than 10 years. <laughs> I know. It's so creepy. Um, yeah. So one of the reasons I wanted to, specifically ask about our hometown is because you know a lot of the work that you do a lot of the work that I do and why I gravitate to the work that you're doing is it clearly comes from like an intersectional feminist uh like approach and just and everything that comes with that and in particular with the focus on bodies and things we do and do not know about our bodies so Mm -hmm. like two thoughts came up in terms of our hometown like one is I would just love to hear how you describe our hometown to people you meet now <laughs> and yeah and um and then what you remember kind of felt like our schooling system because I'm yeah always curious what pe- like I know I had certain classes where I'm like oh those were formative and I learned really important things and then I also yeah. look back and be like wow so much was missed yeah I um
1: yeah. So I would describe our hometown. I mean, the way that the way that I describe our hometown, Smyrna Park, to people who I'm just meeting or something, I'm like, yeah, I'm from Maryland. I grew up in a suburb between Baltimore yep. and Annapolis. <laughs> Same. Um, it's, you know, it's just kind of like the classic white suburban experience, like mostly conservative leaning, like my parents both mostly voted for Republicans, um, super white. Mm-hmm. Uh Let's, but like a good childhood, like it was, it was a night we went. I went to a nice public school, Mm -hmm. um, had great family around. You know, I was like, it's funny, I meet people now and they're surprised sometimes when I say that I was like a complete jock, like played varsity sports, you know, all year round, my life revolved around field hockey and lacrosse and getting in shape for both of those sports. Oh, the quintessential (laughs) Savannah Park sports too. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Amazing. Yes, exactly. It's like, you know, people would go to football games and like you'd see kids like cradling their lacrosse sticks at halftime, like that kind of task. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I mean in terms of like what I remember yeah I mean gosh well I remember the thing I remember about sex ed is like the things the thing that we learned was that you know when you hit puberty boys start masturbating and girls get their period like it wasn't until like late in my teenage years that I learned that girls masturbated mm. you know yeah and like very little education around the gender spectrum the sexuality spectrum like it was very like i felt like a lot of that stuff was taught like in very black and white yes terms um yeah so i mean i guess always our whole lives are just a process of learning more about the world yeah but i think I, I had a very small world view yeah you know as a high schooler <laughs>
0: so when did that when did that start to shift for you after like leaving saberna park
1: yeah I mean I think that like in the years after leaving home I think it was you know going to college and I studied sociology and I think that that was really formative because I think the the thing that I took away from studying sociology was kind of a self-reflection and awareness that oh like the reason that I am at this nice college and the reason I got here is sure because I like worked hard and you know played all my sports and whatever <laughs> But it also has a lot to do with the fact that both my parents speak English, like my mom also went to college, that I went to a nice public school, you know, like all these things that add up and like all these societal structures like have big impacts on our life. And I think that that just like breeds a lot of empathy and awareness of one's own privilege and and the way that society works or doesn't work for certain people or like for certain facets of your background or identity. So I think that was very transformative for me in the way that I saw the world. And I think that that perspective and mindset very much informs the work I do now with bodies and looking at health through kind of a sociological lens. Yeah. Um, And then I think also like I had the great privilege of getting to travel and like doing kind of work study abroad during my college years and I think that just going to different countries meeting different people it's just I think that also um, opened up my
0: worldview and
1: perspective
0: a lot yeah definitely and something that you know while, while I was researching you beyond bodies in the cut <laughs> um, something I saw was that you had a big work history of also being like a teacher in some sense yeah and i like very much identify with that because like straight out of college and up until this past summer like teaching was the thing that i was mostly doing for work and yeah i wonder for you how do you feel like your experience teaching has informed the way that you now move in your podcast work if you feel like there's a connection yeah,
1: no I definitely think there's a connection and also a lot of my good friends within the podcast space have come oh, yeah? from teaching, oh, you know. Cool. So I, I think that. we're both, you know, in good company. <laughs> um Yeah, cuz I think that as a teacher you learn how to explain complicated things in a fun way or like how to really be aware of how you're teaching or communicating.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and one of my teaching years I taught in thailand for a year and so i was teaching english as a second language to fifth and sixth graders and it was it's a so fun much age. fun it's so great <laughs> yeah such a fun age like they're kind of like you know they're they're be- they're becoming miniature adults yes. but they still have that a sense of you know they, they're trying to be cool and everything mm-hmm. but they still are little kids at heart like they still just really want to sing songs and you know like, yeah. get a hug from their teacher you know for like sure. they still want that. <laughs> um, but, you know, especially teaching English as a foreign language, it was like I had to be really aware of how I was speaking the words I was using and kind of plan, you know, the lesson planning, like that's a huge part of what teaching is. Like there's planning, there's research, there's revising your lesson plan. And then I think also teaching is a performance too. Like you're going in there, you're, mm-hmm. you, you're using your voice, your body, you're responding to people. And I think that podcast you know, having a podcast, especially for myself, like being the host of a podcast, there's certainly a performance aspect, which, you know, yeah, I enjoy. Yeah. I like that part of it. And I think that teaching, um, yeah, is like, is extremely connected to that for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I love, I just, I always love hearing the way that we connect what we did before to what we're doing now and like how all the pieces fall in. And I think, yeah, I completely agree. I think all all of yeah. those things have prepped me. Right um for this and the undertaking but it's funny also
1: because like it's only in hindsight can you be like Yes, the teaching led to this because there was a moment I had done some teaching, I had done some nonprofit work, I you know, and I was looking backwards. I was, I guess, I was in it at that point. Just it felt like all these disparate little dots in my life. I'm like, how does this all connect? I feel like I'm just trying random things, and it's only now that I'm looking back. I'm like, oh, that perfectly led to that. Like it makes so much sense because in the moment, of course, it doesn't make any sense. Oh, it's so true. What
0: am I doing with my life? Exactly, for sure. (laughs) Um, Okay, and so. So you were teaching abroad, and then when when you were done teaching abroad, did you move to New York after that, or where where did you end up? Yeah. So after
1: Thailand, then I moved to New York and taught through a nonprofit. So I was essentially a teaching assistant okay. in a 10th grade English, English class. Okay. Um, so like totally different experience, but w- rewarding and challenging in different ways. Yeah. Um, and then after after that, a friend of mine had told me about, a friend who I was teaching with actually told me about a program called the Salt Institute in Maine. And it's a documentary studies program. And she encouraged me to apply. And I had taken some journalism classes in college. And so I was like, I think this is the next thing that I want to try. Mm-hmm. So I applied for that. And um, so a few, I got into that. And so a few months later, I was set to go to this program. But over the summer, I had been working with a friend who was doing this, um, like health education program <laughs> in India. And so she had asked for my help with some of the teaching stuff and lesson design. So then I went to India for the summer to work <laughs> doing some like menstrual health oh, education. That's awesome. So, and that's also a thing that felt super random at the time, but now I'm like, Oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then went to
0: salt, learned a lot about storytelling. And then, um, I just want to ask yeah. about, cause yeah, I know, little bit about the salt institute i yeah met a woman who either worked there or had just like finished the program when i went to work it back in 2019 and so it's always been on my radar since then and i've talked to like a couple other people who have kind of brought it up and so what was what was your specific like i know you do documentary but what were some of the things that you really took away from being there
1: yeah i mean i think first you know one of the big things i just I think I gained just like a really good group of people, you know, and they're like still people that I know the kind of work that they're doing and we keep in touch and some of the people are collaborators. Um, So the program changes has changed and morphed over the years. But when I went, there was three tracks you could choose from. So there was writing, photography, uh, radio, it was called. Mm -hmm. And then um, everyone took a multimedia class, which essentially ended up being kind of like introductory intro to doc film so okay. i actually went for writing so it was writing and then and then the doc film course and i think the thing that i really took away from salt was kind of what makes a story um and like the building blocks of a story and you know one thing that we heard a lot was it's not just it's not enough to just have an interesting thing mm-hmm. there has to be a character and conflict and tension in the story and all that was really hard to wrap my head around initially um, but they kind of hammered that home and I think that 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 was like a really good solid basis and groundwork for the work that I would do with bodies and, and other stuff um, and you know we talked a lot about the ethics of documentary work and mm-hmm. um, just kind of got exposed to like different questions and around like ethics of you know telling someone else's story which I mean yeah. continues to be something I think about a lot and i'm I'm still trying to figure out a lot of that stuff
0: yeah yeah that that was gonna be one of my major questions and is one of my major yeah. questions about bodies in particular because the stories that you're working with are really intense and really painful for a lot yeah. of people hey friends. Just a brief pause from this conversation so I can tell you about The Wave Podcasting. The Wave is a company that helps women grow their podcasts so they can build an audience and get paid. They offer educational resources and a digital community, of which I am a part of, and have gotten to meet some pretty dope women and get some great tips along the way. Plus, the founder, Lauren Popish, is a huge reason I've been able to start this podcast. She helped me find the perfect recording equipment for my setup and just get ready really comfortable with jumping in for the first time. And here's what's cool. They have a free mini guide that will help you kickstart your podcast growth strategy that you can download today by going to the show notes to find the link to their website. And when you're ready, you can purchase the complete guide to podcasting and use my code PODRALAND, P-O-D dot D-R-A-L-A-N-D 10 to get 10% off the total cost. So ladies, come podcast. So I know that you are going, so we did Salt Institute and then from there... I guess, how did we get to bodies from there?
1: Yeah, yeah. So after Salt, I moved to New York and had this plan to, you know, be a documentary filmmaker or (laughs) be a long-form narrative writer, which you don't start doing when you're like in your mid-20s moving to New York with no (laughs) contacts or no experience. So... Struggled hardcore for five or six months and, you know, had a crappy office Mm -hmm. manager job to pay rent and stuff. And then through the Salt Institute, there was this alumni listserv. And I had actually gotten on the radio listserv. Okay. I was like, oh, this, you know, maybe this too. Right. And someone had emailed out and said, you know, I've heard of this opportunity. This tech company's looking for, um, is looking to hire someone to make a podcast. So I was like, oh, sure, I'll look into that. So long story short, I ended up at this tech company called betaworks and they were an early investor this is like back in 2015 so they were an early investor in gimlet and anchor which have since been acquired by spotify Mm -hmm. um and they were really interested in the podcast space and so this guy james who's the creative director there kind of thought like oh wouldn't it be like kind of a fun quirky experiment that's also kind of part branded content to like bring in someone who's never made a podcast is new to new York City." and kind of document their experience working at a tech company
0: oh, wow. and
1: somehow like I convinced them to hire me and you know I'd never made a podcast before or anything but what was really cool was they kind of just like gave me creative freedom just to kind of take it yeah. and run with it so that was like my first um, uh, podcast experience
0: okay and how like how long did that project end up being
1: that ended up being a year okay. and it, it, um, it became the intern podcast, which actually Whoa. like more than, you know, my family members listen to. Like it actually, That's I think, so cool. I think it struck a chord because it ended up in a lot of ways just being about like being young and trying to, you know, like square making money with following your passion. And mm-hmm. it's funny, a, a f- I listened back to it recently because a friend had talked like maybe we we're going to do something with it. And it was like... S- in moments like so cringy (laughs) just like hearing my you know 25 year old self just like blabber on but then in other moments I was like yeah yeah, that's that's real like that was a really good music hit or like yeah that was really you had that right Allison so that that's it's funny like thinking back on that now but what um, were the
0: cringy moments do you remember oh just like
1: oh man I, I can't even I can't even think of anything right now but just being like and I moved to New York City and I'm going to figure it out. And I want to do good in the world. So but, green. You know, just like kind of oh, so green. Just that like kind of naive kind of optimism. Yeah. But I think like in a lot of ways I was asking a lot of the same questions I'm asking now about, you know, power. And, mm-hmm. and the cool thing about the podcast was like, I mean, I wasn't really interested in tech or startups exactly i was interested again in kind of like the sociological aspects of like why are there no black people at this company right. let me look into that or like yeah. how do i ask for a raise let me document that so it ended up being like a uh yeah my like young person look at a tech company mm-hmm. from like a, i was kind of skeptical like in some ways i was naive to a lot of it but yeah. I was really skeptical like walking into this tech company that was like overflowing with free booze <laughs> having come from like working
0: a as non-profit. a teacher yeah
1: and working in the nonprofit profit space and then like coming in and being like wait a second like none of these companies are making money they don't even have a plan for making money but yet there's so much money here like I get I sort of get how it works but like how does it actually work yeah you know yeah <laughs>
0: That's really fascinating. I still don't fully understand it because I've been so in the like academic nonprofit space for the last six yeah. years that I'm like, I don't even know. I can't even fathom what it would be like to walk into a workplace like that. Yeah, it was wild. It was totally wild. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then kind of towards
1: that lasted about a year. And then after that, I was applying for jobs and all kinds of stuff and started trying to freelance. And um, that was kind of when I had the kernel of the idea
0: for bodies um yeah. And so that kernel was that yeah. um the first episode is what kind of spawned the idea. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so at that point, yeah, I was looking for jobs, trying to figure out what I was going to do next and you know, at the time I had kind of this personal story that I for a long time you know, I never thought that I would tell publicly and had only kind of just started telling my friends about it. And, you know, the story is that a few years prior, I had kind of all of a sudden started, um, sex became painful for me. And I had never had an issue with that with any previous partners or even with the, with this partner I was with at the time. Um, the first couple months of our relationship was, didn't have an issue with painful sex at all. And, and, um, and, it took a it took a while to figure out what was going on with me but long story short I figured out that it was the birth control pill that was causing painful sex mm-hmm. and this completely blew my mind like I had never I never knew about any negative side effects of the birth control pill mm-hmm. and have since learned that there's a bunch of them a bunch of like mental side effects sex drive side effects painful sex side effects um and at the time you know after doing the intern and being like I think I think I want to tell this story I found myself telling my telling my story like to just friends all the time, or they would be like talking about their birth control, and I'd be like, "Well, this thing happened to me." And I just like kept finding that a lot of people either didn't know mm-hmm. about the the pill that much, or had had really similar experiences to me with painful sex or bad side effects. And I just felt like, okay, I want to tell this story, and I want to figure out how to do it, like podcast or writing it. Yeah. And then, um, again, it was just through talking about it more just with friends or, like, people I would meet at parties. And and what I realized is, like, I would tell my story and then I would often, like, receive a very similar story, whether it's, like, fibroids or endometriosis or, like, any number of conditions where the story was the same. It's, like, not being believed by doctors, not being believed by the medical establishment, mm-hmm. going on this journey to figure out what's going on um, and often coming at the answer, figuring out what was going on through a friend or an online forum or your own research or going to like the 10th doctor who finally gets it. Um, and, and that's when I was kind of like, Oh, I don't think this is like a one-off story. I think that this, um, this has like, this could be a whole podcast in and of itself. So that, so the first episode is of bodies is my own personal story. And then each subsequent episode is, is, is telling someone else's story.
0: Yeah. I love it so much. And I know, you know, I mentioned the phone call we had and I was just like, Hey, do you mind if I talk about my vagina to you after, with, yeah. in our first conversation? <laughs> You're like, sure. It happens um, all the time. You're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I like loved hearing your episodes so much because, you know, I didn't go through that exact experience and. I am on the pill but it did make me think like hmm I wonder what it'd be like to be off it but like my yeah. issues with like uh like I don't even see I don't even fully have the words for it still but just like painful like inexplicable like issues in that region it's like yeah that all came before going on the pill and then i kind of went mm-hmm. on in the midst of it but my point being is like god just like the like knowing so deeply the feeling of going to a million doctors and just yep. having them either like brush you off or like think that you're being ridiculous or things like that or even just kind of being like like i've had like gynecological doctors be like very like insensitive and it's like, that's the space Mm -hmm. where you need to be the most sensitive. Um, yeah. And even before that, uh, I had a really, I have a really good friend who experienced, uh, chronic pain like early on in high school. And, you know, I feel like the specifics of that story are hers to tell, but that was my first introduction to someone being in a situation like that. And, you know, taking years to figure out what was going mm-hmm. on, and like needing that community support, and how much it really takes a toll on our like mental yeah, health. Um, totally. And so, in the production of bodies, I have uh, I have a lot of questions, you know, but I'll, I'll try and keep <laughs> it. Uh, I'll keep it short, just so we have have time to talk about some of the other things that you're working on. But um, two of my main questions are because these stories are so you know personal um, mm-hmm. I wonder how that goes into the process of the storytelling aspect that we kind of talked about already with what you learned at learned at Salt Institute and then yeah. also I guess how do you decide which stories to tell um, and mm-hmm. if they're if you're going out to find them all or if some of them are coming to you and if that comes into the process of it
1: yeah yeah so Sorry so the question is how do we find our stories or
0: Yeah how do you find your stories and how do you choose them Yeah
1: yeah Yeah so I think that in the first season to be honest it was a lot of just like me not really doing it in any methodical way and just, you know, I read an article on this one website and then I reached out to the author and that became one of the episodes and kind of doing a mishmash of things. Um, Season two, we definitely got, we had more systems and and there was a lot more intention. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that, you know, season one was just based a lot on like gut feeling and, you know, just wanting like, I think for season one, it was like, a gut feeling about which episodes I was drawn to, like what, you know, speaking to the people, like how, what was I drawn to them? Was there something interesting about their story? And then trying to make sure that we had like a, a diverse group of people represented on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, season two. Yeah. So I'll, I'll talk about season two. Cause I think uh, that'll be, <laughs> I can talk in more specifics, but so for, I think a good example is, um, our the second episode, of the season Um, it's called not tested on humans and it's about Mm -hmm. um, a medical device called vaginal mesh and um, the person in the story melinda tells her story of getting the, the mesh device in figuring out that that was causing her pain and then trying to you know recover heal from it and so The story, you know, before we got to Melinda, basically we had watched this documentary called The Bleeding Edge Mm -hmm. and it's about medical devices. And we thought, okay, this is something – and it it talked about a bunch of different medical devices. And so we thought this is something really interesting for bodies. So we did some research and we found – we narrowed it down to three different medical devices. A long-lasting birth control device called Esure. Mm -hmm. um, Breast implants, which um, – breast implants causing a certain kind of cancer. Mm. Um, and then third vaginal mesh. And we were like, these all kind of are, you know, women's health issues. These seem like good, you know, good things to look down. And then myself and one of the producers on the show, Hannah Harris Green, we basically divided. I was, I can't remember what it was. It was like, you take mesh, I'll take Esher, we'll (laughs) split breast implants. And we just started calling people. We, we joined the Facebook groups for these support groups we got in touch with activists. And, um, and just started, we call it pre-interviewing. So yeah. we just pre-interviewed probably like 20 people across these different devices. And then we're like, okay, I think that actually Mesh makes the most sense. Like there's been a lot of coverage of this birth control device. Mm-hmm. Mesh just kind of like hits on a bunch of different things that we want to look into. And then kind of, and then the question for us becomes is finding that like the right person and the person who's going to kind of illuminate all the bigger structural things that we want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of, we kind of have a, a checklist that we go through in trying to find that person. So, other things we're thinking about, like, are they um, are they open? Like, are they willing to go there? Mm-hmm. And not everyone is, and that's okay, you know. And when I say go there, I mean like, are you willing to be vulnerable? Are you willing to say like, I was scared, or like, I was a really bad parent during that period, mm-hmm. or um, you know, just kind of talk about those things.
0: What um um what in the yeah. what in the pre interview lets you know that? How can you tell?
1: Yeah, it's sometimes it takes more than one okay. pre interview. Um but yeah, I mean like sometimes it's like what sometimes the question like what was the hardest part of your journey? Or like was there a moment that you thought about giving up? Or kind of like those questions to kind of and I mean it kind of sounds dark to to i mean it is dark yeah like, this stuff is dark to ask about like oh what was your most horrible moment <laughs> right um but i think that the thing is is that if people aren't willing to go there and again like that's okay not everyone is like it took me a while to be like yeah ready to go there for sure um the stories become flat and not relatable you know like if you if you're listening let's say you had endometriosis and you're listening to a story of someone be like, it was fine. You know, I just kept a positive attitude the whole time. And like, really, it was great. Like my whole family was super supportive the whole time. You're like, that's bullshit. Right. Right. Like, and it. I don't, I just don't think it's, it's real. And I think that, that by not like going there Mm -hmm. or like, choosing stories where people are willing to go there you kind of do a disservice to people who are like going through the thing yeah um and I think that that's one of the reasons why people like relate so strongly to the stories that we tell is because we work with people who are willing to be vulnerable and go there and that's like people see themselves in that people see themselves in those stories
0: so this is something I am always you know really cognizant of and want to make sure that I'm cognizant of as I'm working with the things that I do and the content that I put out. Um, But especially as a white woman creating this stuff, I wonder how you grapple with and move forward with kind of that fine line that can exist between really telling an authentic story that needs to be heard in the way that it's shared versus like almost the like, trauma porn line that it can cross over into when we're talking about stories that deal with just sometimes horrific things it's like how how do you walk that very thin line sometimes
1: yeah totally totally um yeah I mean it's a question that comes up in pretty much every episode we do um because as much as we obviously like want the person to go there and support them in going there yeah you know we're not interested in publishing someone like talking about the details of their rape, like that, yeah. you know, like stuff like that, like we wouldn't, that's not something we're going to put on the show.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. So it's something we think about a lot. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, we probably haven't always gotten it right. But I think we try to get it right, or as close as we can a lot. And I think, you know, I say we like we have a team of, of advisors, like yeah. in each episode, you know, it's not just like myself and the producers, it's goes through many rounds of edits and we get a lot of advice and feedback on making sure we're trying to like strike that balance. Yeah. Um I'm trying to think of like Yeah, I mean, I think the question is like is this is this necessary for the story or even like with music? Mm-hmm. Um I think that there's sometimes a tendency to you know, in a really intense moment of the story like add a bunch of intense music. And <laughs> or like you know, we, for example, there was an episode in this past season where it's about um, traumatic brain injuries mm-hmm. that are connected to domestic violence. Uh-huh. And so and and basically what the research has found is that um, traumatic brain injuries are really common among people who are um, who experience intimate partner violence or are victims of intimate partner yeah. violence and that actually having recurring traumatic brain injuries from being hit in the head by an abusive partner make it harder for that person to leave because if your brain is complete if you if you've just had a concussion a traumatic brain injury you're not going to be able to think clearly so that was a a case where like actually hearing a little bit of the details of how this person experienced abuse was important to the story we needed to know Mm -hmm. that they were hit on the head repeatedly
0: yeah
1: um but for example, like one thing that we took a lot of care in is in those moments where Stacy, the the participant, was telling that, you know, we're not putting scoring in there, we're not putting intense dramatic music in there, we're not. Um, one piece of advice that, um, one of the editors, Sharon, says, like, we're not making the violence or the trauma like, a, a plot device, almost mm-hmm. like we're not kind of trying to make this big crescendo to like the violence yeah it's part of the story but by being thoughtful about how we're putting the story together or like making sure that there's not dramatic music under something that's already dramatic like we call that keeping it in the clear so there's Mm. not going to be music under that yeah so those are like a few examples of how we try to think about it but it's i mean
0: it's it's always yeah it's i mean it's it's really it's really hard Yeah. Yeah. I love that you brought up the music. That was like, that was going to be one of my questions about the story crafting part of it. Okay. One more important PSA. Here's my challenge for you. Take a screenshot right now of this episode and share on social media with a tag to Padreland and the guest. I want to know that you're listening and I want to shout you out. Also, Are you signed up for Poderland's email list yet? Because as much as I love social media and connecting through there, I'm also preparing for its demise, and I want to make sure that I stay in touch with you and we have control over our communication. Not only will you get important updates about this show, you'll get recommendations of other women-hosted podcasts, news related to podcasters you love, discounts on my cute-ass merch, and much more. Okay, let's get back into this interview. I wanna shift to talking about the cut. Yeah. And I would so the cut is like a show I fangirl over. I was like, (laughs) oh my god, it's so cool that she works there. I like I I've like loved it since the inception of that show. Um and I was wondering first like how you even like got into that position in terms of um yeah, I guess like how, how did you find yourself there? And then I also, as we're transitioning away from talking about bodies, how does the work as producer there kind of differ or is it similar in any type of way?
1: Yeah. So I came off of, um, finished working on the second season of bodies in June of 2020. And I mean, I think a lot of us had this moment in 2020 of just being completely burnt out, like kind of the stress of the pandemic, plus like whatever work thing you were doing. And yeah. I think for me personally, it was like, I mean, the stories are really intense and I was working a lot and just was like, I need to stop, <laughs> stop working for a second. So anyway, that that's not actually that important to the question you
0: asked. But it is though, um. it, it is. I mean, my favorite yeah. part of these conversations is yes, like the, the work related stuff, but how we as humans come into that because yes. it's all a part of it. It's true. It's true. So yeah,
1: I was extremely burnt out, and thinking about podcasts and audio made me, you know, made my heart race and made me feel anxious and want to like climb into a hole. So I was like, I need to take a break. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, a month into my sabbatical,
0: uh,
1: someone at the cut reached out, um, who is in charge of, you know, like uh, who who's at Vox, okay, um, and in charge of a bunch of. The podcast and she was like, Oh, I hear that you're available. Uh we're launching we're relaunching the cut in a few weeks. We really need help to get it to get it, you know, to the start line right. basically. Can you come on for a couple weeks? And I I almost didn't take the job, honestly, because really? I was so burnt out. Mm. Um but I was like, you know what? I can do it, but like I can only work fifteen hours a week. Here's my boundaries. I will only be available at certain yes, times. Like boundaries. I will not be available on weekends. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I just did it out of like I don't know. I just I just had to set those boundaries at that point. And so, um what was 6 weeks turned into like almost uh 9 months. Mm-hmm. So this this week is actually my last week oh, with wow. the cut. Okay. And my role um it's mostly been as editor, so story editor okay. basically. So I'm not doing as much reporting, I'm not I, I haven't been doing as much interviewing or cutting tape. Mm-hmm. So there's been some episodes where I've kind of managed the editing session and been the producer on it and all that but mostly it's been editing um which is fun it's it's something that I've been wanting to do more of and I've done some story editing um and I'll just say because like I'm sure a lot of people listening there's like so many definitions of editing in in audio you took the question out of my mouth (laughs) yeah so the way that I'm talking about story editing is like not cutting tape as like a as a film editor might do, but more of like what a newspaper editor might do or a book editor mm-hmm. where I'm reading an early script, listening to an early cut and giving feedback about we need to make the, ep- the ideas stronger or this, this part is dragging cut this. We need another voice. Um, and so that's been a lot of fun because with bodies, you know, I rely so much on my editors and I'm in like the producer writer reporter mm-hmm. mode and, um, so it's been fun doing a different role. And I think that being a producer has helped me know how to be an editor. And I feel like coming off of all these months, just mostly as an editor, will make me a better producer going back into the rhythm of bodies and all of that. Yeah. So it's been a lot. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And just like, I think also working on a weekly show, you know, with bodies, it's like we spend a year making six episodes. Wow. And you just can't be. You know, and we're so precious with everything yeah. and making sure the music hits are the, perf- the perfect spot, you know, <laughs> and you just can't be that precious with stuff that's a weekly show. So I think, you know, and there's just so many ideas
0: constantly coming in. And,
1: yeah, it's been really great and different, um, a good, really good experience. Yeah.
0: Well, so... Talking about the ideas part of it, I, of course, have to ask you about the episode that you were on, uh, yeah. which I loved. <laughs> I loved that episode. Again, like, it's funny because, like, some of the, the key things that you're on where you're the one speaking and sharing your story have been things that I really feel like firsthand I've experienced in, yeah. you know, my personal way, but I can very much relate. But uh, why don't, before I ask my question, do you want to give, like, a little quick overview of what that episode was about?
1: yeah 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 so it it was funny going into personal story torts it was funny going into personal storytelling territory again because i hadn't done that <laughs> right. since the first episode of bodies like three years prior so i you know so so basically the um the idea for the episode came to me last summer when my best best friend hannah moved away and i was like i was heartbroken like i was crying all the time like for months after she left yeah um And I pitched the story. It was a not very fleshed out idea, but I was basically like at our editorial meeting, my best friend moved. I can't, I don't know how to cope. I'm heartbroken. (laughs) Like, what is going on here? Like, I just love her so much (laughs) was basically the pitch. And I I love it. Even though it was not a very fully formed pitch, I think uh, people were like, yeah, that that sounds really interesting. So, I mean, I, and I feel really fortunate in that I was kind of given the space to make this episode. And it, you know, it took a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the episode is basically my story of my best friend leaving and not knowing how to cope, not knowing what's going on there, wanting to talk to my friend Hannah about this, but not really knowing how. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and then Avery, who's the Avery Truffleman, who's the host of the cut, mm-hmm. had this idea to also integrate into this episode about friendship, this really great book she read she read um by an author named Angela Chen who wrote about asexuality. Yeah. And what's interesting about the book is that it's 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 in some ways written for people who think they might be asexual mm-hmm. or trying to figure that out. But it's also just like a really interesting read for anyone who wants to like understand about relationships. And and basically asexuality provides a really interesting framework for thinking about any kind of relationship. Yeah. So it's it's kind of, it starts with my personal story with Hannah. We go into the book a little bit and then come out of it and I end with a conversation with Hannah. So you get to like hear me talk yeah. to Hannah. Um. And I cry, she cries.
0: <laughs> Lots of crying. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's I remember, uh, you know, there were so many parts of that episode that I loved and definitely the part where I really felt like I could connect to uh, just like that uh, kind of what a um with the hosts of call your girlfriend uh called big friendship you know like i think that yeah, the timing yeah. of it works really well like i think we are as a society talking more and more about friendships and how like important and like monumental they yes. are and uh-huh. um that was something from like you know, my youth when I was back in Severna Park that I had a lot of like friendships with the girls in my life that I was just like totally like we were like in love with each other as friends, yes. you know? And I yes. just, it's such a important piece of just like who I am, who you are, who a lot of us are. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't get talked about enough in that way. And I loved the the part about the uh, the, the like asexuality and how to understand the emotions you were maybe like dealing with it was just really fascinating I was like this is this is really well done and really helped me kind of view it in a different way so I I just loved that and it also made me well I've wanted I wanted to ask yeah about like the recording aspect of like recording with your friend and like I guess how how much time passed while you were working on that and was that an easy thing to like broach with her? Was she just like, yeah, mm. super down? Or was it like you had to have like a pre-talk and then a talk kind of like what you do with yeah. the people that you bring onto bodies? Like, how did that go? Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, um, so in the episode, there's, well, okay. So <laughs> Hannah was getting ready to leave. I pitched the story idea. It was very, it was not very specific. And, um, I was talking to Avery about it and, we were going back and forth about friendship and just like talking about the ideas around it. And this was back. So the episode came out uh, two weeks ago. So beginning of February is like a Valentine's day episode. So, you know, almost six, over six months, six, seven months prior, Mm -hmm. that's when Hannah left. And so Avery was like, you should record dropping her off at the airport to leave. You know, (laughs) I I drove Hannah to the airport to say goodbye to her. So I recorded that. Mm -hmm. Um, And, it was kind of on the back burner for a while, but I was thinking about it a lot. And and I had asked Hannah then, I was like, I think I might want to do an episode about friendship for the cut. Like, can I record yeah. us driving to the airport? Mm. So she knew about that. And then I guess it was probably Avery and I were starting to work on the episode more. She This was in December now, and she had interviewed Angela Chen. And I think it was in December that she and I talked. So we had talked a lot about what the episode was going to be. So instead of hearing like narration from me like I didn't write and record the episode all of it was me and Avery in conversation Mm -hmm. so all the stuff you hear me saying is 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 from like four different conversations so we talked like two hour-long conversations and that had two more conversations (laughs) and in between I had like a lot of time to think about it and stuff and I mean I did a lot of I did a lot of writing in preparation for these conversations and like going back through my journals and like listening to old recordings of me and Hannah. And like, I can't tell you how many times I just cried at my desk, like going back Aww. through old pictures. Yeah. <laughs> Every conversation I had with Avery, I cried. I cried at our editorial meeting. <laughs> like, <laughs> when the team had listened to the episode, we like did a read through and then
0: I love it. one of the
1: editors was like asking me questions about it. I just started crying. Aww. So, um, yeah yeah anyway I I love it (laughs) I love it
0: (laughs) oh that's great um so okay I have one final question for you before we jump into some rapid fire questions and so especially the ones that like the episodes that you've been on that your personal story has been like a part of it and then of course just the work that you're doing and our lives intersect with our work it's how it is um how do you feel like the work that you've done has like changed your relationship with yourself? Cause you've gotten to Mm. really explore that with like your mom, your romantic relationship, your friend, but I wonder how for you it's just impacted your relationship with you.
1: Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I can definitely say it's impacted my relationships. Like with my mom, I interviewed my mom on the first episode of bodies Mm -hmm. and with Hannah. Like, I think it just, Really brought us a lot closer because the thing about making a story, you in the same way that as a reporter, you just have license to like ask strangers questions Mm -hmm. in a weird way, even the people closest to us, we sometimes don't have the conversations that we want to have. Mm -hmm. Um, so I mean, I think certainly like my relationships with the people that I've talked to for the podcast have gotten a lot closer, and we've Hannah and I have like talked even more about our relationship since the episode came out. Um, in terms of like my relationship with myself, I mean, I think that, yeah, I mean, it's just a lot of, um, yeah, like both, I think my, so I've, I've made these two personal, the two personal stories, they've been about like my sexuality Mm -hmm. basically and like sex and pleasure Mm -hmm. and about this friendship. And I just feel like both of those categories of things I've like just thought so much about. Like I've spent many, many hours thinking about them. I've journaled about them I've read other people's stories about them so I feel like I just have had this chance to like really analyze these two parts of my life yeah um and it just basically feels like an extended journal entry Mm. and I think anytime you like get to sit in your own story you just like come to know yourself better and I think also the you know looking back doing that episode about painful sex with bodies kind of set me off on a journey to like discover more about my sexuality and, um, yeah, that was kind of like only the beginning of stuff that
0: I've learned about myself. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. I love hearing that. Um, okay. All right. We got three final rapid fire questions. Cool. Ready for it. Cool. So first one is I love to ask who right now you would name as either like a podcast mentor or just someone out in the world you know, or don't know, but that you kind of emulate in the space.
1: Yeah. I'll say too. i I've really loved working with Avery Truffleman. I think she's brilliant. Um, the cut's awesome. Definitely. I'm like, definitely going to bring some of her like energy and curiosity, like what I've learned from her in that way to the body season. Mm-hmm. And then I think also um, Sharon Mashihe, who just uh, published in a couple months ago, a fiction memoir blend of a show which is absolutely brilliant it's called appearances uh-huh. and sharon's also um been a story editor on bodies and will be for season three so i would say those two people okay i admire a lot
0: Cool, yeah i have to check out appearances i obviously i know yeah. avery truffelman from the cut and her work before but uh i haven't heard of appearances yet so i'll have to good. Really, it. yeah it's really good cool. it's really good cool all right uh second one is kind of an extension of that but what podcasts do you typically find yourself listening to when you are listening to podcasts? Mm.
1: Gosh, it's so hard. I have so many (laughs) in my, in my feed. Um, You can do the top few. You can name a few. Yeah. Let's see. Well, the new season of Here Be Monsters just came out. So I've been listening to that and that's, um, they used to be affiliated with KCRW, but they just went back to being independent. That's a great show. Um, Gosh, what else? appearances. I've been listening, you know, up first, the daily news dose. I don't listen every day. (laughs) Um, but sometimes what else have I been listening to? Gosh, it's funny. You'd think like podcasters would be like, oh, yeah, here's all my shows.
0: But it's funny. A lot of people are at like, the end of the day of, like I just want yeah, to listen exactly. to music. I know. I was I was on an interview, uh, I think, like last like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And he was like, so what do you do when you're not podcasting? I was like, "Uh, watch TV. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it was like the most boring answer. But I was like, I don't know, man, I'm always tired now. So I just watch TV
1: i know i know wait let me just see if there's anything good in my queue that i've been listening to go for it I can tell you about welcome to la i mean oh oh i know what show i'll talk about okay. the um latest season i listened in december i was late to the game but you know whatever but the latest season of um lost notes for kcrw oh i don't know that um, one. Is so good so good the host is awesome really great highly recommend
0: okay Okay. Well, yeah. you're giving me ones to yeah. add to my list. That's yeah. partially yeah. why I asked this question. To be honest. <laughs> um, okay. And then, final question is: Where can my listeners find you and support the work that you are doing? Yeah. So,
1: subscribe, listen to the cut, um, and definitely subscribe and listen to Bodies. There's two seasons in the queue, or there's two seasons in the feed right now. So there's about fifteen episodes there, mm-hmm. and then. Um, We'll be releasing the new season this fall and you can follow me on Instagram, ALB1919 on Twitter. I'll be tweeting. <laughs> and then um, we have a Twitter and Instagram for bodies, which is just bodies podcast. And then also... Um, we have a Bodies Facebook group, so if you just type in Bodies podcast into your search on Facebook, we have this super cool group where like people just post their health questions, and then people like crowdsource and just like offer support or like gynecologist recommendations, and it's super cool and just like
0: completely community driven and run. Yeah, I'll def I can definitely co-sign that. I'm I'm a part of the group, and yes, yeah. everyone's really respectful and nice in it, it's which so I appreciate. Cool, yeah,
1: right? I was I was so worried that that would you know it would. I don't know, people would get mean or people would be judgmental. And it's super supportive. Yeah. It's so cool. People are great. Yeah. It is.
0: I was going to ask you, like, did you find that you had to do, like, any type of mediation or people are just, like, really about following the rules?
1: There's a, a little bit of moderation. Or, like, there was this one time where a lot of times – and, you know, there's people of all genders in the group. Mm-hmm. And we make it very clear and explicit that, like, anyone can join. It's open to anyone. And I, kept, I was noticing that people kept being like, hey, ladies, mm. here's a question about my whatever. And it's like, no. <laughs> and that and, you know, there's just, again, different genders are like, you could ask a question about periods and a man might have an answer to that. exactly. And I had been meaning to like post something that was like, hey, let's address every, you know, let's just be like, hey, everyone, here's my issue. Mm-hmm. But then a member posted and was like, hey, I've noticed this thing it's a little transphobic or I can't, they they, they had like a very nice, well thought out post just asking people to like yeah. address it as everyone. And there was some people in the group that like responded. They were like, is there not a safe place for women? Like oh kind God. of all these arguments. <laughs> and I thought about like putting a stop to it. But what was super interesting was like the person who posted the initial ask, like, Hey, let's be inclusive, gender inclusive. Went back and forth with this one person and this one person just about like gender and being trans inclusive uh-huh. and all of this. And it was like getting a little contentious, getting a little contentious. And then all of a sudden in the comments, the person was like, Oh my gosh, I get it. Thank you for explaining this wow. today. <laughs> and it was really like, I don't know, I feel like it was the internet comments actually working. Yeah. And then after that point, I like change I updated. There's like a thing you see when you sign on. It's like, hey you know please be respectful do this also please address everyone for example instead of saying hey ladies say hi everyone or hi people you know <laughs> and people have followed that and it's really great
0: oh that's great yeah i love i love hearing those those uh just moments where you know the internet isn't totally this horrible place i know
1: yeah uh, yeah and it's still small there's like 5000 people in it so i think that also protects it a little bit mm-hmm. but hopefully it can continue to grow and still be an inclusive you know place where people can have their ideas challenged and their and like productive arguments can happen you know it's not like we need to wipe out any kind of disagreement Mm -hmm. because i think disagreement can be positive but you know yeah make it be a good space yeah
0: for sure all right well i do have to ramp this up but thank you so much for coming on
1: yeah thank you so much for having me and for all the great questions
0: our original music is produced by carrie blue and everything else is produced by me, myself and I, Miss Alexandra Cole. And you can follow me on Instagram at Poderland, P-O-D. Dot D-R-A-L-A-N-D, or Twitter at Poderland minus the period. And you can find more of what I do on Poderland at www.podraland.com, where I recommend women-hosted podcasts and feature indie women podcasters. So I hope to see you there. Feel free to subscribe to the newsletter. You'll get recommendations and updates about this podcast. And finally, make sure to share this episode, tag us in it, like that shit, give us a review. Anything you do helps not just this podcast get more exposure, but also helps these women's voices be heard by way more people. And ultimately, that's our goal. So let's fucking do it.